Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for June 15th, 2015. Today's topic is leveraging industry benchmarks to build a business case for technology investment. Sounds smart to me. Now, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show, and you can ask questions. It's really easy. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, or you can call in. The email is brian, B-R-I-A-N, at benchmarkportal.com, or you can call in to 347-857-3117. Just make sure you hit that number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll get you into the show. But I do want to remind you, of course, that all of our shows are archived and available for you to listen to any time that's convenient for you at our website at BenchmarkPortal.com. So, speaking of the show, let's get right to it, and let me introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you, Brian. And I'm joined today by our colleague, Amy Novak, who will be asking the questions with me. How are you? How are you today, Amy? Hi, Bruce. I'm doing well, thank you. It's a pleasure to join you again on another one of the Call Talk radio shows. Yes, it is great. It is great. And as you know, I'm just back from the dentist, but everything seems to be okay. And hopefully, I won't slobber too much over my words. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> we'll, we'll dig into it. And, you know, one of the things that we find at Benchmark Portal is that the uh, financial business cases are often a tough spot going on. And we all know that Benchmark, uh, that is to say, uh, call center managers are basically people people. And the numbers don't always come that easy. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to confront this issue head on and talk about it more by, uh, you know, for technology investment. Expert on the topic for all of our listeners, Drew Wright, who's Principal Consultant with Technology Finance Partners. Welcome to the show, Drew. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I've been leveraging Benchmark Portal's work since the Dr. Anton days, so it's really great to be here. Okay. Well, great, great. And uh, to introduce Drew for our audience, uh, let me just say that Drew Wright enjoys connecting the dots between business needs and business cases in the call center space. So he's devoted a chunk of his career to helping, in particular, vendors build the ROI spreadsheets that help get projects approved uh, to improve customer service and also to improve financial results. Uh, he has spoken at a number of software conferences on subjects of ROI, green IT, software as a service, pricing strategies, and customer analytics. Uh, he co-founded Technology Finance Partners in the year 2000, so he's been going in that for 15 years, and that focuses on strategic consultation for deal structuring and collaborative business case analysis. Uh, prior to TFP, Drew filled various roles for the medical device industry. Uh, he earned a BS in mechanical engineering with an English minor from Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and an MBA from UCLA's Anderson School. So we're really delighted to have you here, Drew. And uh, you know you know my background as well. I have a, a CFO slash finance background. And this is really an opportunity for us to give our listeners um, an unusual peek behind the curtains of uh, how call center software and uh, hardware vendors will oftentimes try to help their customers with decision-making uh, by building business cases. 
So, um, you know, you work with uh, a lot of vendors, and our audience is overwhelmingly call center managers. Uh, so I'm really excited about being able to give them your insights into how uh, the vendors work with benchmarks to build those all-important business cases. So, Drew, over to you to sort of uh, start things off. Okay, great. So part of the insight I want to provide to your audience is that uh, you know, vendors are obviously interested in selling, but buyers are interested in buying. And when you can uh, marry those uh, two needs together, there is a there can be a nice symbiotic relationship. And I use the term collaborative often because when I get involved, you know, I I am being paid by the vendor, but I'm really there to help the buyer sort through these uh, challenging financial analyses and metrics that maybe aren't second nature to them. And so I'm, I'm offered as a, a resource for vendors to use, or for, I'm sorry, for the buyers to use. And so there's a, a couple of intersections during a buying cycle where I can get involved. And in, in the early stages, it really has to do with looking at the status quo of a, a given environment. And it may be that the contact center manager is well aware of uh, certain challenges and they've started to talk to vendors. And, and so the, the vendor is, you know, trying to say, well, I, you know, I, I think that we can help you, but, you know, we, we need to sort of get a sense for whether there would be budget available and, and, and what some of your challenges, you know, you are and, and does technology help you get through those challenges. And so what, what we can use benchmarks for in those early stages is to, to make um, just some you know, really rough estimates on you know, what's some of the potential value to see if it, if it makes sense to continue the conversation and, and, and build out a, a, a more rigid uh, and formal business case to get through the gating processes at a company to get budget and approval. So let me give you just a very simple example. So if so, say you have a contact center with 250 agents, and you're able to, and, and you know you you know you've got some challenges, whether it's reporting or workforce management, or maybe you don't have a lot of self-service, and 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 you're not really you know at what we might call state-of-the-art technology for the contact center. Um, you know you, you're looking at that, and so one of the things is you you know the the seller, the the vendor knows that. You're in the West Coast, and most of your agents are in the West Coast, and so they, they're able to get a benchmark of about $40,000 per agent per year as a fully loaded cost. Well, 250 agents, $40,000, that's a, that's a $10 million contact center cost for the, the agent labor. And if, if they think that the technology can bring something like a 10% efficiency gain, the cocktail napkin math tells you that that's about a million-dollar annual benefit waiting to be had. And so... You haven't really scratched the service on the business case, but is it worth continuing a conversation and, and working to, to collaborate together to see if there is a way that uh, some of your challenges can be resolved and, and knowing that you've got this potential value to bring to your organization? Yeah, I think that uh, sort of step-by-step -step component to it, too, uh, is it worth continuing the conversation? Are we uncovering something here that's particularly important? And that needs uh, your attention as a call center manager is is key here. Yeah. So so tell us how this translates for the the buyer side or the manager side. Right. And that's I think this is where it gets really interesting for your audience because you know tech 
you would imagine that most contact centers are going to have a lot of rich data. I mean, that, that's certainly one thing that we've seen over the years is that there's a lot of great data to look at. And so as you, as you analyze that status quo situation, it, it helps to have these benchmarks. And if they're by vertical and you're in, you're in that certain vertical and you can see how your peers are managing their contact centers, you can look at things like handle time, of course, but, but some of the more customer-centric related things like first call resolution or average speed of answer or abandon rate, IVR containment, those types of things compared to your current status quo, your, your data can give you some insights as to how you are serving your customers uh, against your peers, and it really could uh, highlight some opportunities, some low-hanging fruit. Yeah, no, that, that, that's important. You know, I was thinking, too, as you were talking, uh, Drew, and given your background in the medical diagnostic machine area, um, you know, or, or the medical area, that uh, if you think about one of the things that all of us have uh, experience with, which is a blood panel that uh, where we have some blood drawn, it goes off to our doctors after going through the lab. And uh, what that sheet of paper actually does is benchmark us against other people of our gender and our age, et cetera, and tells us whether our cholesterol is too high or, you know, bilirubin is too low or all that sort of good stuff. And uh, then from that, with that in front of you, right, with those numbers staring you in the face, (laughs) you are then motivated to do something about it. And uh, you know that by improving your lifestyle or your diet or something like that, you'll actually be able to improve those numbers and therefore, uh, you know, have hopefully a a healthier and more successful life. And it's the same thing with uh, what you're talking about, really. You're using those benchmarks in order to motivate you to then take the, the, uh, the, the, the steps needed in order to get better and to become more competitive in your industry. Well, you're cracking me up there, Bruce, because uh, my my last uh, doctor's appointment told me I wasn't getting enough vitamin D. <laughs> and so uh, I, probably because I'm uh, holed up in a cave doing too many spreadsheets. But, uh, <laughs> so, Aren't we all? So, yeah. uh, so uh, I found myself uh, after that appointment doing something that I truly thought I'd never do in my life, which is taking cod liver oil pills to improve my vitamin D. <laughs> so uh, I hope that uh, improvements in the contact center aren't as uh, strange as that, but, uh, you know, there, there always is a solution. Well, you know, and I was just trying to remember, is vitamin D the one that comes from sunlight or is that the one that comes from alcohol? I mean, maybe you need more <laughs> De- of that. De- definitely sunlight because I think I have aren't the other the one same? covered. <laughs> Got enough of the other one. Okay, good. Good, good. Well, Amy, I think you had some questions for Drew. I certainly do, uh, Bruce. Thanks. Drew, as you were speaking and going back and forth with Bruce, as you mentioned a couple of times or referred to our audience, in all honesty, the items that you've already started to share, and I'm hoping and feel confident with the questions I have for you as well, as you continue to share your experience and knowledge are, you know, call center or contact center leaders are really going to see that logic and be able to look at and, you know, kind of emulate what you are describing throughout this process. Because, again, this is a, um, 
a process that would be able to relate from industry to industry and as well as, you know, area through area within the organization. So it's really important information for contact center leaders to hear about because, you know, it's not only interesting, it's insightful, but you know, there are many call center managers or, or leaders that focus on improving the customer's interactions. You know, they'll look at the, you know, KPIs or key performance indicators, but when it comes down to the main manager or leader, sometimes that focus is more heavily weighted on that interaction or KPI, and it's refreshing to kind of bring them back and look at, in addition to that interaction and the KPI, how can they focus on improving, you know, those items that could help potentially change their growth? And some of the information you've already shared has, you know, given a little insight to that. But then knowing and being, you know, over a call center, call centers have so much data. And you, you actually brought that up when you were speaking with Bruce. There is so many different metrics that call center you know, call centers track and, and, you know, retain and archive that by, you know, using some of that data, it wouldn't even necessarily need to be all of it because it could be overwhelming, but some of that data, they can help build some of these, you know, business cases and, and value within their center to show within their organization the value their center brings. Absolutely. Um, actually, I wasn't sure if that was a question, but I'll just ch- chime in. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So, so my experience, and and uh, I work in a lot of different fields, not just contact center, but I have spent a ton of time with a ton of companies in the contact center space, working with a uh, with contact centers in virtually every vertical um, that's out there, and the the way that um, you know, again, I have a, a vendor view, but I've worked with so many end users or organizations that I feel like I kind of have both views because of the collaboration that we've done through time. And so, mm-hmm. as the as the the vendor goes to start some of those initial engagements, um, they they may have these things called ROI tools, and and in those ROI tools, they're going to highlight values that they believe they can bring to an organization. Um, you know, like a, a simple example might be that they're selling some sort of a, uh, an IVR application. It's, it's speech-related. It's going to help increase self-service. It's going to help with uh, identification and verification so that you can, you know, let the agent get right into it with the customer versus having to ask all those lovely questions that you half the time feel like you already gave in the IVR. <laughs> and so, yes. um, but, but in, in those scenarios, if, you know, if the, if the vendor creates an ROI tool that has indicative numbers in it, you know, and, and these could be numbers that they got from Benchmark Portal or from their experiences with customers, you know, as long if they build something out that that looks kind of right, that looks credible, then then there's going to be a much more interesting conversation between the vendor and their prospect than if they kind of do one of those pie-in-the-sky things where they're going to somehow eliminate all the agents and all the cost in the contact center because they've completely overstated it. So so I guess what I'm getting at is that 
you know, in my experience, when the vendor is able to go in and become more of a trusted advisor, then that collaboration can occur between the two parties, and that that uh, sim- that symbiotic relationship can really uh, help both sides in that discussion and that negotiation come towards a common goal. Because in the end, you know, again, sellers are trying to sell, buyers are trying to buy, but you know, if if you're able to get it into the the customers terms where you know they need to fulfill certain um, uh, or, or, or support certain initiatives of the organization and so mm-hmm. as you as you're able to tie those KPIs to the specific needs um, then I think you can work together on these uh, business cases collaboratively and leverage that uh, peer review to um, put together reasonable assumptions that that you can target as you look to grow your contact center through technology. You you know, Drew, what you're just saying in terms of uh, data plus relationship being important, and uh, I think that is so crucial. And uh, one analogy I was thinking of is the situation of uh, parents, teachers, and uh, the new systems that they now have to monitor what the children's grades are, right? We didn't have that when we were kids. But now you can go online and you can see, uh, you know, what they're getting on every test, every quiz, uh, what they're getting for their their uh, classwork, and uh, even the, the bell curves sometimes on the grades. And so if you're wanting to sort of help a, a child that's having some difficulties in school, just like some, we want to help our call centers where they're having difficulties, then you can uh, sort of monitor that. But it only works well if you've got a good relationship with the teacher as well, and the teacher has a good relationship and wants to you know, see your, your child succeed. If you have those things all lined up in the same direction, then the numbers really become crucial, both in terms of indicating where the weak spots are and in showing where the success comes that can be celebrated by all. And uh, so, you know, I think that that's really key. The data plus relationship plus action are the things that are so important here. Would you agree with that? Oh, completely. And and, and if, if I got your analogy correct, you know, the um, if the, the parent is the contact center manager and the child is the agent and the teacher is the vendor, um, you know, we we see so much better success when – when there is a positive and uh, engagement where everyone's towards the same end goal, which is to um, help our you know children succeed, help our agents succeed, versus a teacher that's just trying to get through the year or a salesperson that's just trying to get through the sale. You know, I mean, there, there's obviously that kind of relationship and engagement. You know, the metrics are important, but the the relationship and you know the under, underlying uh, goals are, are critical. Mm-hmm. I think you did better with my analogy than I did, Drew. So thanks very much for that. <laughs> okay, good. All right, back, back over to Amy. <laughs> well, as did I, Bruce, because I know when I oversaw a you know a call center, I worked hand in hand with other areas in the company as well as vendors. You know, working on different opportunities, looking at the the cost versus that that benefit, and how to get that optimal working environment. So, Drew, for our audience, I was hoping that you could provide at least 
an example. If you have a couple, that would be wonderful. But, you know, an example on something that you may have used or um, historically or are presently using to support vendors and or customers? Well, certainly, and you know, and again, I mean, we've I've built a ton of ROI tools, but I think where the work has been the most interesting is uh, when our company collaborates at that individual, I'll call it a deal, you know, a technology acquisition opportunity in in the um, in your audience terms, mm-hmm. and and we we look at. You know what what goals are uh, are trying to be achieved by the organization, and we're able to you know benchmark where they're at today through that status quo assessment and the peer review to see where maybe they could be. But there, with with each company, there tends to be a, a fairly uh, um, specific outcome that's desired that you know isn't isn't necessarily horizontal across all of them and so it's it's always interesting to to hear from the contact center managers what they're specifically trying to achieve and in some cases maybe it's just freeing up supervisors to spend more time coaching their agents and and so what does that mean and you know we we get pretty dry with the numbers I'll I'll be honest on that topic you know in this spreadsheet isn't yes. the most exciting thing in the world um but we we <laughs> well, and, and, and so there's there's certainly some discussions that we have there it's like well okay you just showed that you're going to provide 10 percent efficiency to 250 agents so what are we going to fire 25 agents you know it's like well no you're not you're going to um leverage that capacity to uh, address more channels or to answer those calls more quickly or maybe you will you know, avoid some hiring um, downstream. You know, you'll be able to handle growth a little bit more, handle the peaks a little bit more. But you know, in our analyses, we do typically use the agent cost because that's the lowest common denominator. I don't mean the agent's the lowest common denominator. I mean the cost mm-hmm. is because no company hires employees to just cover their costs. They hire employees to provide value to the organization. So if if you know, we use that, I use the example forty thousand dollars as an annual fully burdened cost for an agent. Well, the agent's going to be providing sixty thousand of value to the company, or maybe eighty thousand or a hundred thousand. You know, it's it's going to be some multiplier of that cost. But in the analysis, you keep it very conservative because in the end, you're going to be showing this to someone in finance, and finance is, if nothing else, Bruce, you can speak up, conservative. So it's very yes. important yes. to keep it conservative and keep it real. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, cut everything by half and see if it still works. So, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Well, good. Uh, th- those are those are great insights, and um, you know, I, I noticed that Brian has some questions for you. Uh, Brian, I, I think we'd like to bring it over to you at this point. Yeah, sounds good. I did get a question on the email, and this is from Nora, and uh, kind of like me. For those of us that are not that good at math, she's asking, how do you, Drew, kind of get started with building a business case? Ah, great. I love love the question, and hopefully, is one that I can answer. Uh, you know the the funny thing is that the you know business case isn't necessarily the spreadsheet. There's a financial analysis that's going to support the business case. So that what's important about the business case is tying whatever it is that you're trying to do to the company uh, strategic initiatives. If you have 
Um, I mean, you might unearth something that maybe falls outside of that and you can show value to it. That's, that's great. But, but typically your company has a set of strategic initiatives and you're trying to support those. And so, so the first thing is, is to just look at your environment. Don't worry about the numbers so much, but just, you know, what is your, your relationship with your own environment telling you? I mean, there's always a gut feel of what's not working. And so as you're able to, you know, identify those and kind of whiteboard, you know, what are the things that if I had, um, if it was Christmas tomorrow and I knew I was going to get everything, you know, what, what, are, what are the items that, that I'd want? And you, and you list those down on a whiteboard and, and, and then from there, you do take that snapshot of your status quo. You do look at the data, you look at the peer metrics, and you can start tying together how moving from your current state to a future state would um, support some of those um, gaps that you're feeling that you have in your current um, environment. You know, so you know what your gut's telling you. Then you look at the data to see if it supports or doesn't support what you're trying to do. Now, from a financial analysis perspective, because Nora, I'm sure, is, is thinking about that spreadsheet, that dreaded spreadsheet, you know, don't, be, don't be shy to leverage your vendors because your vendors have done this a number of times. You know, again, if they, if they throw a, you know, some sort of ROI calculator that's online, you can't see any of the numbers, and it, you know, it's just one of those input things, and you have no idea what's going on, eh, it's probably not going to help you as much. But if you can work with their business consultants or their value engineers and, and have a real discussion with your data and seeing how they take you know, each little element and, and say, well, you know, a customer SAT or an NPS or an LTV improvement, I'm sorry, that was a bunch of acronyms, so customer satisfaction, <laughs> net promoter score, <laughs> lifetime we know value. We get I mean, it. Yeah. If, yes, hopefully everyone does. But if, if, you know, if, you can, if, if they can, you know, look at um, – you know, they say, well, we think we can improve it from, you know, A to B, and maybe the value engineer has, has looked at how you can put dollars and cents to that movement from A to B, because that's not really in your, your DNA to understand, you know. I mean, maybe you can understand if customer churn is reduced, what does that mean? Well, of course, you're, you're losing that customer value, so you can probably do some math around that. But, you know, I've, I've worked with a, a number of companies. I remember uh, Telco in um, Canada to be – slightly specific but not breach any NDAs who had um, put together some you know really interesting metrics for themselves on what it meant uh, if they were to improve their likely to recommend metric and what what you know what sort of revenue impact that would have on their company if they could get more likes essentially through social media and through person to person recommendations for their company and so the value engineers or the, the the vendors have subject matter experts that have looked at this stuff before through one of potentially one of your peers or through you know just their interactions with all the different business cases they've worked on and they can really help you take that you know list that you put on your whiteboard and start it and start pointing it to very discrete benefits that you could put calculations to Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that we love, uh, you know, just seeing those uh, relationships and those connections between certain metrics and certain outcomes. And so fat, very interesting, very interesting. I'd just like to uh, sort of underline two other things that you were talking about, too, Drew, on this uh, question. One is 
making sure that you're in alignment with your uh, company and that uh, apart from the numbers, apart from the financial part, just making sure that uh, conceptually you're in line with what the company is trying to uh, accomplish here. And the best thing to do is to go to your company's mission statement and hopefully you have a company mission statement, and also hopefully you have a the same mission statement for your contact center, or you have some sort of a modified mission statement which brings the corporate or the enterprise mission statement down to uh, what you're doing in the contact center. And if you can tie in this initiative into that mission statement when you're making the presentation, when you're talking to your um, your superiors about it, and you're aligning with that, that's going to really help you out a lot. So, I, I, Drew, I think that's a very important point. And, and the second uh, one that I wanted to, to underline is that you said, you know, make sure that you understand what you're getting from your vendor or, or wherever you're getting the analytics from. Um, you know, I think of Warren Buffett, who says, uh, I never invest in anything I don't understand. <laughs> and right. he's done pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Berkshire Hathaway's done pretty darn well. So I think we can all learn from that, too, and make sure that we understand it, too. And if you have to stop your vendor and ask and ask and ask, just keep asking. Keep on uh, digging for the answer so you do understand it. And don't be afraid of it. Uh, a lot of people in the contact center area are, but you'll find out it's kind of fun. So, um, you know, that would be a piece of advice that I'd have uh, that, that uh, builds on what you were just talking about. Uh, great, great, great response there. Uh, did you have another question there, Brian? I do. Yep, I do. And then, uh, this is kind of around the business case again is, um, you know, uh, you, you you bring up a lot of good examples or, or ideas of why, but actually, speaking of examples, could you give us one in particular that, that you've uh, seen that worked really well as far as business case? Well, certainly. And, and again, because I um, you know, have that vendor centricism, success is a, an interesting topic because uh, on the vendor side, of course, it's closing sales, and we, we I have a ton of those examples. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I don't always get to see the you know one year, two year later outcome with the specific contact center. Um, and, and that's a, a soapbox topic that I can talk about maybe later. <laughs> but uh, yeah. um, but what I what I have seen um, is uh, in a number of cases, and I'm thinking of uh, one that's in the uh, the healthcare industry where uh, a customer from a you know very fairly large provider did a pilot where they were trying to integrate email and calls, and and you know have that be sort of you know, with with a certain agent group that they felt was adept at handling both calls and emails, which is as everyone probably on this call knows that that's not always the case. But they they felt like there was they weren't getting to emails in time, a time enough fashion, and and that there was a lot of idle time with the the call folks that that could be spent on emails. And so they they ran this pilot for a, a group of 50 agents and we went into that and built a business case around that and, and just, you know, thought that if they could even get a, a you know, 10% improvement on their blended utilization that they were going to, um, you know, be more than successful and be able to pay for um, the technology required for that pilot. Uh, and it's not just the technology. Don't forget process and people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a change management piece to it, of course. And and so what 
what happened was we were able to go back a year later and take a look, and, and we did see that there was actually more like an 18% bump in, in that, and so that, that yielded uh, uh, a few hundred thousand dollars in annual value, and, and that allowed uh, for an enterprise-wide adoption. So um, I guess you know maybe the moral of that one, one story is that you don't necessarily always have to just change your entire organization at once. You know, it, it is okay to target a, a certain group and, and take a look at it, see how it does, and if it works there, then, then expand from there. Drew, if I can just jump in. Uh, the, the other question was kind of around the same idea of how often should you revise this plan? You know, Obviously, it takes some effort, energy, and, and resources to do it. How often should we uh, re-look at or revisit this idea? Right. Yeah. No. Maybe. And now, now we are probably getting towards that soapbox a little bit because um, <laughs> one of the things that's been frustrating in, in my, you know, the second career of mine is that um, vendors sell and then they move on. Contact center managers um, are very, very busy people, and so they don't always take the time after technology is acquired to see how successful it was and and then bluntly you know my organization isn't paid to do this work either so there is this sort of glut of post implementation analysis to see how well things you know have occurred so that you can you know see if you had success or didn't have success and and so i i think that you know it's pretty typical in the contact center arena that you get you know, monthly reports that show how how your KPIs are doing, and 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 I think it would be great if if you're if you are a contact center manager that you take a look at those KPIs and see what the trends are after technology acquisition, and and you know, I mean, I personally feel like you owe it to yourself to see you know that your hard work, you know, how it did, and and uh, and and if it's not doing what you're expecting it to to do, well then, you know take the time to see if it's because of the technology or because of, of other changes and, and maybe you don't have the adoption you're expecting and, and um, you know, you can pull the vendor back in and say, Hey, what's up? You know, how come this isn't working? <laughs> and uh, so, so I kind of think it's, you know, it, it is some sort of a monthly or quarterly review to, to see how progress is and, and uh, keeping your vendor engaged, especially to um, make sure that, you know, everyone's successful. Gotcha. Well, Drew, I, I can't speak for the audience members, but just your responses to their questions I found very insightful as it relates to, you know, just the call center experience as a whole and those that are leading call centers and how building a case or a business case can actually be applied. You know, the example you gave to the, the second uh, individual who had uh, contacted Brian as it related to an example, a positive example, you clearly stated a an example that can be used showing the value of the contact center within the organization just by looking at one of the metrics. So just to imagine if you had, you know, multiple metrics that you needed to review and look at that cost versus benefit, you know, ratio and break that down into a business case, it, it's certainly enlightening to hear what you've shared. So I'm hoping that the audience has gained as much insight as I have just from listening to you. 
Yeah, and if I could just add to that, you know, I said at the beginning that this would be kind of a peek behind the curtains, and I always think of the Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> when, when I think about that. But, uh, you know, bringing the vendor process, uh, you know, to our listeners so that they can think about what's going on and how they can leverage it to their advantage and uh, get the transparency that they need. So, um, that, that's good stuff. So, thank you very, very much uh, for being with us, Drew. And with that, I think we're going to, we're uh, a little bit past our time, so I'll hand things over to Brian. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Drew. That was great. I appreciate it. And, uh, of course, Bruce and Amy, uh, for your great questions. And I uh, want to uh, invite everyone to join us again next month for another edition of Call Talk. And uh, remind you that we do have all of our shows on BenchmarkPortal.com's website at Call Talk. So head there anytime you want and check out all the, the great topics we have there for the last five years we've been doing the show. It's amazing. So uh, that's it for today's show, though. I want to make sure that you keep your headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington from Benchmark Portal signing out. Have a great day. That's a wrap.